It's that time again. It's ASGCA Insights, the official podcast of the American Society of Golf Course Architects. And now, from our studios in beautiful Brookfield, Wisconsin, it's your host, Mark Whitney. Welcome to ASGCA Insights. I'm Mark Whitney. I'm pleased to welcome to the podcast today, Bob Ranquist. Bob is approaching his second anniversary as Chief Operating Officer of the Golf Course Superintendents Association of America. He previously served as Director of Golf and Grounds at Boca Rio Golf Club in Boca Raton, Florida. Prior to that, he spent two decades as Superintendent at Southern Hills Country Club in Tulsa, where he hosted a pair of PGA Championships and helped secure the 2001 U.S. Open. Bob has also served as GCSAA president back in 2011. Bob, welcome, and thank you for joining us today. Well, thank you, Mark. I appreciate you uh, allowing me to participate in this endeavor. Absolutely. Bob, I, I really like, as I was uh, preparing for our discussion, I took a look at your bio on the GCSAA website, uh, and I wanted to quote you this one line. While he represents GCSAA and maintains relationships with industry and allied partners, his main focus is on internal stakeholders. So with 18,000 members, Bob, and each and every one of them, of course, is your boss, uh, what have you been hearing from them here in these past several months? Well, Mark, it was uh, really very positive up until a couple of months ago. <laughs> uh, you know, times have changed, but up until that time, we had a very successful uh, golf industry show this year in late January. Uh, our exhibitors were... Uh, strong in their attendance and their participation. Our members, we, we had over 6,000 seminar seats that were filled. And uh, the golf course architects, you guys were there uh, with a stronger presence than in the past, which was very helpful, as were the builders. So we had, a, we had a great conference and show this year. The things that we've really been focused on for the past year or so have been our best management practices. Uh, with some solid financial support from the USGA, we've been working for the last two or three years to develop uh, state best management practice manuals uh, that gives our superintendents and their facilities guidelines about how to protect and preserve and actually improve the environment of the golf course and the natural resources that are part of the golf course. And our goal was to have all 50 state manuals completed by the end of 2020 and I'm happy to report that we're uh, on target to be able to do that this year. And then from there, we go to doing facility manuals. We've already got almost 500 facilities that have developed their own best management practice manuals. We provide sort of a template for them to do that. They can uh, change it to match their particular facility and their particular state best management practices. And this is one of the best environmental efforts, best participation levels that we've seen from superintendents in, in really uh, any time in the past. So we're really excited about that. Uh, we've also uh, reached out more to equipment managers and to assistant superintendents. We've developed certificate programs for them, uh, training programs to help improve their skills. And we're getting very good participation in those programs. And we've also started a friends membership this year, which is a membership where we try, we'll try to get golfers to join. We'll provide some information to them about uh, golf course maintenance and about our environmental efforts. 
and uh, we're just now getting that off the ground. So it's been, we've had a very successful time leading up to uh, this last couple of months when uh, we all began to deal with this COVID-19. Uh, one other good thing that's occurred for us in the last couple of years, we've gone from 17,000 members to over 19,000. And when you consider, uh, you know, the state of the golf business during that time, that's a pretty good accomplishment. And we're confident that the primary reason for that is we're really focused on the delivering good value to those members. And as a result, we're, we're seeing those membership numbers increase. So we've been very pleased about that, Mark. A good deal going on there out of the GCSAA offices. I wanted to follow up on, on one aspect that you just touched on, uh, and that's on the education side uh, with your membership. Um, I expect that it's fairly uh, fairly natural for on a course by course basis uh, for your members to be concerned with what is directly in front of them, and that is the course that they work on, the the interactions they have with their players, their, with their fellow members, that that type of thing. Uh, but the, on the education front, from the sound of what you just described, uh, it sounds very interactive that folks are, and members are learning from each other within GCSAA. Is that really sort of the target of what the, of these programs that you put together? It is, Mark. Uh, at the Golf Industry Show this year, we had 103 seminars uh, that, that, that those 6,000 seats occupied. And we've, our members have always said for years that GCSA is the gold standard for education for golf course superintendents. And we've worked diligently to maintain that standard. We provide excellent education. It's brought by uh, college professors. It's brought by other turf grass experts uh, from the USGA or from other organizations. And it's many of those seminars are taught by our members. So there's a wide range of educational opportunities for our members that really uh, ensure that we maintain that gold standard of education for our members. That is very important to them. Uh, and then one other thing that I, I forgot to mention, but is another, has become a major factor for us. Now, I may speak a little more about that later, but is our government affairs. Uh, we have expanded our government affairs program over the last few years, and we have become very adept at lobbying and reaching out to state and local and federal governments. So it's become another uh, key value for our members in that regard. And let's talk a little bit then about the, the government affairs side of things. As, as you referenced and, and, and how everybody's world changed with, with, with COVID-19, uh, and we'll talk a little bit about the day-to-day -day aspects of your superintendents in that regard in just a moment, but we have seen uh, local and state governments that have dealt with the, with the pandemic. Uh, some golf courses have been closing, others remained open. Uh, there are other courses that did close and are now reopening. Uh, but through it all, actually, the, the entire golf industry has lobbied pretty hard to all 50 states to encourage uh, not just the opening, but the uh, the safe golf practices that we've heard so much about. Uh, so can you talk a little bit more about the work on the government affairs side and also the partnership with, uh, the, with the various other uh, membership organizations here within the industry? Yeah, the leader of our government affairs department, Hava McKeel, and then uh, Michael Lee is the manager. And Bob Helen is actually a full-time lobbyist for GCSA that, that is uh, working in Washington, D.C. And one thing that we developed over the last few years, Mark, is uh, a grassroots ambassador program. And that's a program where superintendents uh, connect with their either 
local congressman or their, their senator in their state, one of their senators, and develop a relationship over a couple of years. Uh, and that has been very successful. We've, we've got uh, a very large number of those uh, ambassadors now that are part of the program. And because they already had those relationships with these con congressmen and with these senators and with their aides that work for them, you know, we meet them at National Golf Day every year and spend time with them in addition to time spent in the district. Many of those congressmen have gone out to the golf course where the ambassador is to see it, to, to get a feel for what goes on in the world of golf course maintenance. And as a result, we had a built-in network to begin doing our part of the lobbying. Uh, and the groups are uh, PGA of America, uh, architects, the club managers, uh, the PGA Tour, uh, we can, I can name several other groups, have all been working very closely uh, through the We Are Golf organization to have a focused and a concentrated lobbying effort in regard to golf courses, uh, you know, and how they will get through this. Our approach at the beginning of this, Mark, was from GCSA was that we had members that were of differing opinions. Uh, some thought that courses should be closed. Uh, the majority probably thought that they should remain open. We've kind of maintained a position of neutrality about that. But the one thing that we lobbied for from GCSA strongly was that superintendents be allowed to conduct what's known as minimum maintenance. And we worked with the USJ and released a set of guidelines jointly about what comprised minimum maintenance. The real thing that we saw in many of the state executive orders and even county executive orders was that essential business practices should still be able to be carried on and to protect the business asset. And, and one of the primary assets of a, a golf facility obviously is the golf course. And so as a result, we've worked very hard to be sure that we could get that minimum maintenance allowed. And right now, finally, after as of a week or two ago, it's allowed in all 50 states. And that allows those golf facilities to protect that asset, to keep the grass alive, to keep the landscaping materials alive and healthy so that when this is all over with, or now as more and more courses are reopening, uh, they're finding that the golf courses are in pretty good condition. And uh, that was very important to us. And, and we're, we had some additional help with that. We have nine field staff representatives scattered around the country. And they had also developed relationships with some of those local governments, uh, county governments and state governors. And they were instrumental in helping our uh, government affairs staff to, to not only advocate, but also to report exactly what was going on in every area. So they've proved invaluable in this whole effort. So while one aspect of the organization is dealing with things at a national level and uh, certainly things being dealt on a state-by-state -state level and a county-by-county -county level, ultimately uh, it is down to the golf course itself. Uh, and in the, over the last couple of months, I think two of the words that we've heard most uh, as much as anything else in the industry are ingenuity and adaptability. Uh, there are examples across the industry of course superintendents doing what they can to maintain the facilities, as you've just talked about, 
but also keeping their staffs working together, whether it's through sharing work hours or, or other uh, adaptable uh, aspects that have helped them to either avoid layoffs or furloughs or things of that nature. Uh, has that been commonplace among your members? It has been, Mark. Our members have been very innovative about this uh, and shared those ideas on Twitter and, and other social media. And uh, we have a GCSA has a COVID-19 resource page on our homepage that's open to everyone, uh, both our members and everyone else. And many of those ideas have been listed there. Uh, very quickly, superintendents realized that if their facilities were going to be open, that uh, areas that could possibly uh, host contagious germs, so to speak, uh, you know, whether it be trash buckets or ball washers or tea markers or flag sticks, uh, they made, you know, they either remove those items. In the case of flag sticks, uh, our members quickly came up with several solutions. You know, you could turn a cup upside down and insert the flag. Uh, you could use a swimming pool noodle to fill up the bottom two-thirds or three-fourths of the cup or a piece of PVC pipe. And what that did was allowed for players to reach down to uh, retrieve the ball from the cup without having to reach deep into the cup and touch a flag stick. And on those courses, our, our members and, and their employers have made strict rules that the flag sticks are not to be touched, that they're supposed to be left in place. Uh, there have just been a number of things. They've, our members have staggered their crews. In many cases, they'll have uh, one, one set of crew members that might come in for three days, another set that might come in for the next three days or three and a half days. Um, they have staggered their starting times so that there's not more than a very minimal number of employees in the maintenance shop at any time. Uh, most uh, internal parts of the maintenance shop, they've encouraged their employees to eat their lunch outside. Uh, not to use or don't allow them to use a microwave or refrigerator, any areas that, you know, unless they have adequate facility or adequate staff to disinfect those uh, particular items every time that they're used. So our members have shown a lot of innovation about this. Uh, some have even raised the cup liner up out of the cup so that the ball would strike it and be counted as hold when it did that. And that absolutely assured that there would be no contact so there have been a lot of things that have been done. Uh, a lot of mowing practices have changed uh, to less frequent uh, so that they can handle it with the number of staff that are there. So there's, there's been a lot of interesting challenges, and our members have really uh, risen up to those challenges and provided good solutions. And over the course of a, of a full and active career uh, as a superintendent at a number of different levels, uh, four decades that you've been a part of, uh, of this business, uh, your interaction with architects along the way, I'm sure, has been just as varied as everything else you have done. Uh, can you talk a little bit about the, the relationship, the working relationship that you've had with architects along the way, whether at Boca Rio or at, or at Southern Hills, and, and how, that, uh, how those experiences help to set you up for the working relationship that you have today with those architects? Well, during my tenure at Southern Hills, uh, we built an additional nine holes there uh, on what used to be a, a polo field. And, and there were some good hills around that polo field. It was flat down on the bottom. Uh, Bill Kerr and, Brent and Ben Crenshaw were the architects for that project. And, and I have to tell you, Mark, that it was an absolute delight to work with them. Uh, they 
consulted me on a regular basis, uh, you know, to get my opinion about how things were being done and, and even about architectural features, which I'm not qualified to do that. They were eminently more qualified than me. But at the same time, they were very generous to include me in, in their thought process about how they were designing. They were trying to get the design of that, what we call the West Nine, to match the original design of, of Southern Hills as much as possible. Uh, there were very few trees on that, that piece of property, although we did plant a lot uh, as the opening approached. But at the same time, the bunkering style the uh, greens contouring style and all they worked very diligently to get it to match as closely as it could and they were very successful in that effort uh, while i was at boca rio about a year and a half before i uh, came to work at gcsa i worked with uh, ron force and jim nagel we did a complete restoration of the golf course um, and jim was there uh, a very large amount of time and really did a he and Ron both did a masterful job of restoring Boca Rio to the original uh, Robert Von Hagee design style. Uh, their, their touches on bunkering and everything and green uh, contouring were perfect. Uh, it was very interesting, Mark. We had, uh, they really, in simple terms, they lowered the platform of the greens about four inches back to the original elevation and used laser uh, contour mapping to recreate the exact same surface contours of the greens. And one of the, in, the byproducts of that was that the greens, when they were done in that fashion, once again matched a lot of the mounding and the contours that surrounded the greens. And it was really remarkable to see some little valleys and plateaus around the, the collar edges and green edges that disappeared and everything flowed together like it did originally when Von Hagee did the golf course. So I, I've, I've been very blessed to be able to work with two very competent, sensitive architectural firms uh, and those, those four gentlemen that taught me a tremendous amount. I, I have to tell you that uh, Ron Witten came a couple of times to, to look at what we were doing at Boca Rio and toured the golf course with uh, Ron Force and I uh, mid construction. And his comments were overwhelmingly positive that this was a true restoration. And I have to give Ron and Jim credit for approaching it that way and for accomplishing that task, which is what the club had asked them to do. The theme of those two projects that you just talked about w without coming out and saying it sounds very much like uh, relationships that 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 sort of seems to be the, the key thought that came to mind as you were talking about them. And that working relationship that you developed with both of those firms uh, was recognition that uh, there were things that you knew that you were really strong and expert on. There were things that they knew that they were strong and expert on. It was the bringing of of those areas together. Uh, is that a theme that you try and, and and remind your members of as well as they look at whether it's specific projects within their facilities or, for example, long-term planning and that type of thing to, to recognize the balance that that can bring? Those, those things are critically important, Mark. Uh, and I, I think a practical example of that, uh, if I can talk a little bit about our golf industry show this year. Sure. Uh, as we joined with the American Society of Golf Course Architects, they became a presenting partner with GCSA this year, as did the Golf Course Builders Association of America. You know, the whole purpose of that union 
was because that mirrors what we see in the real world of golf course architecture, construction, and maintenance. Uh, for any project to be successful, uh, the architect, the superintendent, and the builder have to work very closely together. That doesn't mean that they have to agree on everything, but you know, each one brings a real important leg to that three-legged stool of a successful project. And one of the, the things that we were pleased about this year, we had a tri-association session on the trade show floor that was very heavily attended uh, with Gil Hance, uh, Steve Rabideau, who is a superintendent at Wingfoot, and Shalene Elmore from Labar Golf, who was the golf course builder that was there for their renovation of their greens and a few other areas. And it was great to see that cooperative, collaborative effort between those three individuals and those three companies to, to come up with a great renovation. And it was no different for us at, at Boca Rio or at, at Southern Hills. When you have all three working together in harmony, the owners of the facility are the ones that get the maximum benefit from that. And that's why we feel so positive about what uh, the Architect Society is contributing to our show and what the builders are contributing to our show. Working in harmony for the benefit of the facility and ultimately to the, uh, to the golfers themselves. Uh, that's a pretty good note to wrap up on. Uh, thank you very much, Bob. Well, I appreciate you uh, having me on your show today, Mark. My guest has been Bob Ranquist, the Chief Operating Officer of the Golf Course Superintendents Association of America. That concludes this episode of ASGCA Insights. I'm Mark Whitney. You can always find past episodes of this podcast and more information about golf course architecture at ASGCA.org. Thank you for listening and join us again when we visit with and learn together from golf industry leaders. Until next time, so long.